Hi, I'm Trent Maxwell. And I'm Lee Mason. And we want to welcome you to our Live, Learn, Survive podcast. Since 2018, Lee and I have traveled the globe and met face-to-face with over 17,000 children. We've created a series of children's books and Maxi's Rescue Squad where teens and young adults can learn life skills online that will not only help themselves but help others too. We take what we do very seriously ourselves, not so much as you soon will hear. So let's spend the next half an hour together with some fun, inspiration and kindness and we'll try and learn something too. How are you this week, Lee? Maxi, I am good. How are you? I am great. Again, we've run off the beach again. Straight off the beach. And again, we've got a very special guest today. I know. How lucky are we? I know. We're on a bit of a roll with uh, your first responders at the moment. And um, I'm very, very happy. I'm very happy to have this person on. It's been a couple of months in the making. Yes. Uh, very exciting. So Lee, uh, well, as you very, always do. He's a very busy man. So um, so shall I do the intro, Maxie? Yep, do the intro, Lee. So we've been waiting this for, for this um, meeting for a while. So we are so happy today to have joined with us, Mr. James Cohens. So James um, grew up in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. He is a training and check-in air crew officer based in Sydney. So in your part of the world, Maxie? Yep, very and close to Bankstown. This is just incredible. An air crew officer for nine years, part of Air Ambulance for seven years, started as an aeroplane pilot in 2010, a helicopter pilot in 2018 after training in the USA, 15 years in the military, starting in tanks, then teaching recruits and an air crew officer on Black Hawks. I want to know a bit about that. That will be amazing. Deployed to Afghanistan in 2010-2011, has worked in Vanuatu for disaster response in 2012, um, flying helicopters over the country for a number of days. And as if that's not enough, Maxi, one of yours, RFS um, firefighter, went to Canada last year, part of RFS Alpine, went last year as an incident commander. James, where do we even start? (laughs) Where do we start, mate? Welcome. That's that's probably enough there. We can wrap it up. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. It uh, it's nice. awesome. Thanks. Firstly, thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, as you said, it's um, it's been a couple of months in the making. I've been super keen to come on, and I've sort of certainly tracked the good work that that you guys do, which I'll be keen to to just chat about as well. So, oh, thank thanks you. For having me on. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and we asked, like, you know, give us a bit of information. That even Maxie was shocked. He was like, you know, Maxie's <laughs> yeah. been telling me all about you for ages, and like, yeah. even Maxie's like, whoa, are you ready for this? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a bit of a background for people listening at home. Um, I met James oh, about six months ago. Uh, we did a familiarisation. So as soon as I went to Bankstown, um, the Bankstown Airport is in our area. If there was a emergency response or something to do with the airport, uh, we would respond. I'd been the first truck or appliance there. And uh, we had a contact through uh, another firefighter, SO or LF, I should say, uh, Darren Molam. And he knows James quite well uh, through the Burwood Fire Station boys. And we organised a fam- familiarisation, sorry my pronunciation, uh, <laughs> of uh, their toll air ambulance base um, at Bankstown. And and James uh, and his he's work colleagues showed us around and it was awesome and we kind of got on like a house on fire didn't we James I yeah. asked you about a million questions yeah we chilled really well it's good yeah and uh, he showed us all the training rooms he showed us the, um, the helicopters what they do as uh, crew crewies uh, it was an amazing day we did it I think we were meant to be there for like an hour and a half we ended up there for like three or four hours it was, it was awesome so um, in from that day, we managed to stay in touch, and um, yeah, it's been great to finally have you here on the podcast because I know you've been listening to a few we've done with Lee in the past, and yeah, yeah. we've got a number of questions to ask you, mate. So yes. the thing I want to ask James, if sure. you can tell us a little bit about yourself, is because um, you've had so many different roles in all of this. It's yeah. not like you're just, like you know just one thing. So your role now. What, what does a normal day look like to you? So we can just start to get a feel about, you know, James goes to work. I can't even begin to imagine what that day looks like. Expl- describe it for me. A couple of questions back. Which, which job? Are we t- <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's the, it's the air ambulance um, role. And I'll, I suppose I'll start with the title, the, the training and checking air crew officer. It's a, it, for, for the rest of any other training organization, you'd be called a trainer and assessor. 
Um, right. So that's just the checky part. It's a bit of an aviation term. So I train and assess people. And, and that's probably two thirds of my job nowadays is that I train and assess um, aircraft officers, which for those that don't know, they're the, they're the, the guys and girls that in most operations will sit next to the pilot and act like a bit of a pseudo co-pilot. They'll input the navigation data. They'll use radios. Um, when we need to, we'll jump in the back and operate the winch, winch in the doctor and paramedic or, you know, rescue um, people out using the, the winch and also just be the eyes and ears for the pilot when we're landing on a roadside or uh, in a hole in the trees, we'll call it in the middle of the bush or something. So um, that, that's basically the role of the aircraft. So, so nowadays I do again, two thirds of training and assessing. So, um, and that's training those people that do that job, the aircrofters. But because we have doctors and paramedics on board that work in an aviation environment, they fall under what's called our air operator certificate, which means that they fall under our organisation in terms of procedures and policies and stuff. So it's my job to train them up, uh, take a paramedic off the road, take a doctor out of a hospital, teach them how to work on a rescue helicopter and then send them off off their way um, in, into the into the mix of our organisation. So a standard day in the office for me might be if I've got a training flight on, whether that be um, a brand new student or it's a uh, one of our current staff, um, whether I train or assess those individuals um, and then all the other you know, paperwork and office work that comes with, with the training assessing role. And then the other third is quite obviously the better part of what I love doing and that is doing the rescues myself. So it's turning up at about 7am in the morning, getting a handover from the night shift crew and um, you spend about the next hour or so checking over the aircraft, making sure yep. that the winch is, is good to go. Everything gets checked every 24 hours like most sort of critical uh, industries. Um, we check the winch, we check the fuel, make sure it's not contaminated. We make sure the aircraft's good to go. Uh, we preempt a start, which means we get everything 90% all switched on. Uh, all yep. we need to do is basically turn the key and fly. So that's so, a, so yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We'll be like, much like Maxi, we, uh, once that's done, we uh, take uh, or make good use of the rec room and, and the lounge and, and Netflix or whatever else we've got. <laughs> Just yep. rest up until the phone goes off. Yeah. Yeah. The phone or the bells. You're exactly right. So, um, mate, we've got 13 or so questions here. Uh, I'll last one and then Lee will go. Um, yeah. The first one I've got here is, and we'll focus on the, the uh, this question's focused to the toll air ambulance, but yeah. when did you realize that you want to become a part of that, that career or when did you notice that you want to do the rescue side of it? Yeah. Um, so I guess this, the tiny seed was planted um, when I was younger, my father worked in the airlines for 35 years. So I always had a bit of aviation. I'd always been around the smell of jet fuel. So I've always sort of had that in my blood. And then I went off and did some, you know, uh, went, went down the, the military route and, um, and, and went down there. But it was my time in the Middle East that I really, it really cemented that for me. And I worked for part of that time in the Middle East in, a, in an armored ambulance. So I was moving a, a lot of injured people around. And, um, and we worked a bit with what they call, called dust off crews, the American... Blackhawk uh, medevac yep. aircraft yep. and I guess it's like probably a lot of people whether you're a child or an adult or whatever it is you see someone doing something pretty cool and you go I want to do that I do day. that yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where it really started for me and I knew that the end game was always going to be civil rescue um, but I just thoroughly enjoyed my time in the military building that experience and doing what I needed to do and and that's where I wanted to end up. And look, we always say it's so big on understanding different pathways you know you, you can go down a certain path and you think that's the only way you could achieve that end goal of, you know, doing the civil rescue, but you know, you've got a military background, you've done all this other stuff as well. So people that are listening at home, you can achieve opportunities and careers by seeing what works for you. And there's numerous different paths you can take. So uh, that that's awesome uh, that the plant was seeded from your military career. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Lee, do you want to go so start often, off with a second? Yeah, I will do as well. And it's like interesting, Maxie, as well. You had um, fireys and ambos in your family history. And James just said the same. There was aviation in the family. That's what sort of first um, starts you on that path sometimes. Yeah, yeah definitely. So this might be part of that. So sure. when you were young, who inspired you to uh, – who did you look up to when you were young? Right, right. It's – um. It's a bit cliche, but and and I'll I'll split it between two people. It's not going to be one, but yeah, and that's going to be quite obviously the parents, right? Yes. It's um, especially at a, at a young age, they're they're in your face that you you are soaking up every bit of every step they're taking. You you're soaking it up, good, bad, or indifferent. 
but certainly for my parents. And again, um, my dad working in the airlines, he was international. So he would be away for, for days on end. And, but I really looked up to that dedication to that role when he was home. Um, and, and like in a, you know, anywhere in aviation, there's constant assessing, you're always being checked, you're always being trained, you're always being assessed. And, and he was just always hitting the books and he was always putting himself away. And generally I, I knew how seriously he took that role when he would be studying or be sleeping for a, a night flight and yeah. I'd be the, the clown that I was running around the house or causing a drama with my sisters and he would come storming down the hallway and <laughs> Uh-oh. time and time again repeating to me that uh, that time he needed to to be not worrying about that but worrying about you know flying hundreds of people um, yes. in, in one aircraft so uh, I guess that that discipline from dad but on the same uh, line of reasoning mum as well I'm one of six yeah. kids when wow. your dad's away for up to 10 days at a time, if not longer, and you've got them, you know, yeah. and we're all sort of within 10 to 12 years, don't quote me, um, that is just, that's inspirational. When someone can, can manage that um, mm-hmm. and, and everything that comes with, with kids, that, that was really, that compassion I got from my mum, the discipline from, from dad, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm. Like you say, you know, aviation, like long time away, Mom's holding the fort, keeping oh, yeah. six of you in, you know, keeping you in order and all the rest of it. So yep. um, yeah. that's amazing. And and well, I I love like watching your dad study. Very different, but I very similarly for me watching my mum study as a go. kid. You know, heading mm. books was like um, no one else's mum did that, it, but it really struck a chord with mm. me. Um, so so important. So much. So you were going to say. I was just going to go into the next question. Did you get much uh, good career advice at school? Uh, yes and no. Um, I'd say I gave myself the own my own career advice. Um, I didn't really look. I I wasn't wasn't that great at school. Um, look, I'm very much a doer. I'm not I'm not an academic. So I was probably the outlier um, of of my family anyway. So. Um, you know, from my school, not a hell of a lot, but I did, I did end up joining the army cadets. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do something at school, um, I'm going to do that. And that was sort of my own career guidance. I thought, well, yeah, a little bit bored with what I'm doing with, you know, a lot of young, particularly male boys at school that are a bit, you know, the class clowns can't really, um, you know, commit themselves to anything. I thought, oh, that's what I want to do. Cause that's cool. That's what hmm. I was going to do. Um, so that's where I got a lot of my, career guidance from and then actually joined the rfs as a young fella at 14 so virtually as soon as i could join the rural fire service i did i wanted That's to awesome, mate. Up, you know the next day so i was looking looking for, for that next you know next high yeah it's it's funny like, I, I i look back you know when i was you know eight nine ten eleven twelve and i was so mentally strong knowing exactly what i wanted i wanted to do and uh lifeguarding was kind of in the back back of my mind, but at the front of my mind was firefighting. I always wanted to be a firefighter ever since I was two years old. So I can kind of relate to what you're saying there. At school, I wasn't a bad kid, but I couldn't sit still. I had bad ADD. I was 100 mile an hour. I'm still 100 mile an hour. I'm always trying to do things. And when you focus on something, you try different ways to be able to achieve that goal. Uh, Not as much, uh, so much academic. I was never academic. And I know how much study you've done um, or, you know, where you are now with your you you were always upskilling putting your heads in the books for me it was always like i need to to do to do the action you know uh get down the beach do the lifeguarding go to tafe one day a week to get my cert three equivalent to be able to apply for the forest from 18 and then when i got in at 24 was best day ever but um yeah like school advice i didn't get the best school advice but i kind of subconsciously knew what i need to do and how Mm. i need to get there so yeah cool Yeah. yeah 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 And I think, you know, like as an individual, obviously, you know, two very determined people, I'm a very determined person. You do tend to work it out yourself a little bit. If you, I was the same, I wasn't academic and we were, you know, it was the university pathway or, well, what, you know, you'll work it out. There was no in between. Um, And that's why, you know, like doing this and talking to people and, and sharing other people's stories is because, if that's not changed and schools aren't embracing that or there are a million careers that may be perfect, even if you're not academic, then, you know, those kids still need to be looked out for and, and channeled that um, 
enthusiasm and energy mm. um, into the jobs that are just incredible, even if you're just maybe not the right academic fit mm. at school. I always say to myself, never lose your keenness. I'm very big on that. Right. Never lose your keenness. Always reflect on the reason why you're doing what you're doing and try and put yourself in that moment when you've got the opportunity to do what you do. Mm. And as a firefighter, I'm very lucky. I work at a busy station. I have a really good crew. I'm very fortunate. But you always tell myself if, you know, obviously crews move on and if I ever move to a different station or whatever, never lose your keenness. So, yeah. So the yeah, next question well. then, um, James. Oh, sorry. No, you speak, James. No, no, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just going to, uh, it certainly resonates. It's just, yeah, never lose that fire, that passion. It's there's so much white noise in the world or, or negative, um, you know, comments or emotions or connotations surrounding, you know, people that dream for something that's unachievable in their mind and they just – it's that tall poppy syndrome we see it all the time, like something that just wants Cut to stand down, out, make a difference yeah. and stand up for the crowd. It's like, no, sit down. It's like, no. Nah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's hard, mate. You see it all the time too. And, um, you know, if you put your hopes and dreams in other people's hands, unfortunately, you probably only get 10, 20% back from those people. So it's very important to stick with your guns and follow your dreams and then try and do everything possible to achieve that goal. Um, yeah. I'm very big on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you said about going into army cadets because this is like you know the first step into getting where you are and making it a career. So first step was army cadets, and did, is that what led you to military? Uh, you basically, yeah. Uh, yeah in, so- in a in a roundabout way, it was very much a stepping stone approach. Um, yeah. In that, I started army cadets like a, um, I think yeah, it was basically as soon as I started school, and, yeah, um, year seven. And then did that for a couple of years and I thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind doing this a bit more. So I used my year 11 uh, school holidays and I went off and joined the Army Reserve. Amazing. Um, went the part-time Army and then yep. um, came back and finished my year 12 um, at school. So that was about a four-week uh, boot camp and then yep. came back and, and uh, yeah, finished year 12 and then I, I – did some other things for a couple of years um, as well. And, and that was the whole try before you buy a system, right? It was a, it's yeah. a lot of people use the, we'll use the cadets for that. And they use the army reserves for that. Then they use you know, then your full time. If you like it yeah. doing part time, well then you're probably going to like it doing full time. So that's eventually what led onto that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And that's a re- that's a really good thing to do. I know that um, even people with policing as well, my, my brother-in-law went into policing and he joined the specials to start off with, you yep. know, it was like, um, it's really good to go and do something sort of volunteering. To yeah, see if d- you- dip your toes in, you know, I was a volunteer surf lifesaver for South River Surf Club and that gave me a taste of wanting yeah. to become a Maruba lifeguard. And then um, when they didn't do the work experience, uh, when I was you know, still at school, 15, 16, um, the Ramic lifeguard said, oh, mate, you should try Waverley lifeguards and hence why I sent a hop on email and that opportunity arose. So, mm, yeah, um, yeah by, if it wasn't for volunteer organisations, it wouldn't have given me an opportunity to be a lifeguard for the last 17 years for sure. Exactly. So, Maxie, can I ask another question about the military before, of we, course. before we yes, leave it? Of course. So <laughs> what, what, you, what um, you know, you went to Afghanistan. What, what did you love most about your military career? Oh, it's a it's an impromptu one. That one. What did I love most? Um, Sorry, this wasn't on the list. My, I've had a, even in this what we've been talking about. No, minutes, I've about another four thousand questions. I'm like, no, that's I love it. I love the impromptu. It's they're, they're raw. Um, what did I love most? It's um, it's the overall experience. So I, I um, like to explain going on a deployment like like a, a someone in a footy team, and you're you're training, you're training, you're training, and you finally get the game you're on the field where you get to the grand final that's that's it for us for an army so getting to being able to deploy is often 99 percent of the time uh what people want to do they're not forced to do it there's always someone right behind you that wants to do it so um it's it's was that for me was going from where i was at 21 at the time to then deploying overseas um you know, having my own vehicle to look after actually doing the job for real um uh, that's that was probably one of the better times between that and my work in Vanuatu doing disaster relief and the rewarding side that came with that. That were yeah. the two better ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good answer. Good incredible. answer. Incredible, absolutely incredible. And um, you know, I, I've never thought about it like that. It's like if you don't deploy, it's like you're 
training mm. for the match that you never play, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you know, the it's, deploying is where you, what you train for. And I think it's, it, it would resonate with most people that, you know, the people like us and particularly Maxie and the other boys that, you know, at fire, um, in, in the fire service is that it, as much as we don't want people to get hurt or injured or buildings to burn down, it's, if it happens, we want it to be us. We want, and we want to be, yeah, ready to go and yeah. use our skills and all our knowledge and everything, uh, past experiences. And we're always learning too, you know, we're always going to con- different jobs and there's always going to be a few spenders in the worst, but as long as you learn from them and, um, mm. you're always ready for that call. Yeah. You don't wish upon anyone. Um, some of the stuff that, you know, James, you deal with and see as a, in the, on the air ambulance and me as a firefighter, you know, some horrible things, but at the same time, you want us coming to, to cut you out of a car. You want us to be pulling you out of the bush. Yeah. You want us to be doing um, what we do, what we love to do is help yeah. people. So yeah, and it, and it kind of rolls into my next question, mate. Yeah. Um, where did you train for your career? So I understand with the military, you know, you go down to the um, – where where'd you go down there? Uh, was it – Yeah. Kapuka. Yeah, Kapuka. Yeah. yeah. And um, where you're at now at Bankstown with the air ambulance – We'll focus on that. Where did you train to get your foot in the door there, or to be able to work out of that facility? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a really, uh, oh, it's it's an easy answer, but it's it's a it's hard one for a lot of people to hear that are keen to get into the role because it's it's very difficult, it's very niche, and about probably seventy five percent of our staff are recruited either out of the military or out of a paramilitary like the police. Um, or even firebombing to an extent with with crews. So there is no course, unfortunately. There is no university degree. There is no, you know, that, sure, there are places you can go off to and get your certification to do the job, but everything's measured on hours for yeah. experience. And when people look at when hiring someone in my role or anyone in aviation for that matter, pilots or, or, um, yeah. or air crew officers, it's, it's hours-based. So for people to get from zero hours to uh, often for our organisation, it's a minimum of 500 hours. Um, and even then it's a minimum and that's an insurance thing generally. So then we then, you know, depending on who we get in. So uh, all my experience was, was from the military I did. Uh, and it's I, amazing, isn't it? How many, like you say, with pilots as well. I know so many pilots that, um, you know, came through military as well. It's like, it's such a good, um, you know, avenue. Like you say, you probably would have never got that. You would never have got that role because the the experience that gave you prepared you for this like position yeah absolutely yeah it's uh, and, and that's the bittersweet to it is that the military is great for you know it's solid training no expense spared um baptism of fire type of arrangement but yeah the, uh, the unfortunate side of that is it's it narrows down recruiting opportunities for for others you know, it's still like i said about 25 percent. they still they still do come in but it's it's much more difficult yeah yeah, yeah. cool amazing yeah so Sorry, yeah, it's back to you, Luke. Sorry, I'm just like brains going in overdrive. <laughs> so, in all of that, is there one piece of advice that um, sticks out, like the best piece of advice that someone gave to you that you every now and again remember and and um, carried with you? Yeah, it's um, it's it's not every now and then. It's it's every day, um, and that for me was was given to me as actually as a quote out of a book. Um, and the, it's a kid's book actually. And it's, it's called the boy, the horse, uh, the fox and the mole. Um, and in there it's, uh, this little passage and it's the, the a boy and a horse are in a, in a forest. The boy says to the horse, I can't see through it. And the horse says, well, can you see the next step in front of you? And the boy says, yes. And the horse says, just take that. Mm, I like it. For me, as I said before, I'm, I'm, I'm not an academic. There's a lot of stuff I've done that's, it's, it's been very difficult to get there. And for me, looking at, you always need a goal. You always need to know where you want to be. But once you've established that, it's bite-sized pieces for me. That's, and, and that's, it's, it's so daunting. And I've, yeah. I've probably done 12 or 13 exams at about three hours each. And that's, you know, being not an academical person, it's, um, it, that for me is difficult and daunting. And the only way I could get through that is just, one error study at a time, one at yeah. a time, one at a time. So that's how I've dealt with most things. And whether that be in the military, it was one foot at a time yeah. on that 30 kilometer pack march or, mm-hmm. you know, one, one hour at a time when I'm in the snow in the Middle East trying to power through whatever's going on. So it's, for me, yeah. it's just 
One foot at a time. One step at a time. Yeah, I I'm going to carry that. Maxie and I have uh, just got this brand, sparkly brand new charity that we are founders yeah, and directors of. And yeah. do you think we know the first thing about running a charity? Absolutely and, nothing. And, uh, and, and honestly, <laughs> overwhelming is the word. Yeah. But I'm going to remember that. I'm, at, I'm on the horse at the forest. We're going to take it a step yeah, at yeah, time, like Maxie. Um, because you look at it as a whole thing and you think, okay, yeah. breathe. Mm. Where do we start? Which, um, you know, like you with your exams, what, one, one exam at a time. So, yeah, um, you eventually get there. That's no, but it's, it's good. That's great advice. Mm. Yeah. Um, mates, most stressful part of your career journey so far? Uh, just uh, explain that with um, the, yeah. some of the tests and exams you've done, but what has been the most stressful part of the journey? It's it's probably been, um, it, it, and it sounds weird that an exam would be the most stressful part of everything that I've done, but everything else, like I said, I'm a very practical person and everything else generally comes um, fairly natural to me, especially in the physical context of um, my, my role, but yeah, then switching that career path. Um, and that's, those, all of those exams are all, they're all pilot stuff. So it's, yeah. um, and that, that was taking it, like I said, a, 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 another career path change. So that, that definitely have been the most stressful because it's just, I don't have that in me. I've, yeah. I, you know, it's so difficult. I've got to read things multiple times before it sticks yeah. and that's, and then knowing that there's another one and, and look, I've failed almost as many exams that I've passed. Like it's not an easy road. And for that, it's just, it, it, it beats you down, you know, and, that's, and then there's the stress of knowing, well, I've still got a number of these to go and, uh, and yeah. how am I going to, geez, if I'm struggling with this, how am I going to get through the next one, next one. And so that, that for me was probably most of, you know, sure there's stressful jobs that we have and occasions and, and admissions and, and, you know, stuff that, that you'd be familiar with Maxie, but um, yeah. f for me, that's natural. This is not, yeah. yeah. No, not I'd natural. say, I'd say there's three of us exactly the same there. there. Yeah. I know, you know, Maxie would be the same. Me, exactly the same. I can read a book 10 times, sit down mm. with the exam, mm. fail. Yeah. I was just, just going to say, though, quickly, Lee and James, um, have you got any tips for anyone? Because I know you do have your head in the books a lot for the roles that you do. Have you got any learning tips for the way that you get through it? Or, you know, is it you, like you said, reading 10 times? Or is it you using different cards and memorizing stuff like how do you what's some of the tips that you can give to people listening um to get through those those tough exams yeah how you yeah. made it work yeah it's um unfortunately there's not one answer for it because you know out of those exams they're they're polarizing indifference and, and i and, and i learn a number of different ways depending on what the content is so some of those are, are quite um math heavy exams so for me it's just rote learning the equation, just writing it out, right? And that is just, you know, you can read it. For me, I can, I can read it, but generally I need to write it and I find that that cements. And I very much a, a sort of visual memory. So when I go to then use that information or recite it, I'm almost, uh, I, can, I can see where I've written it um, or I yeah. can see the equation. I don't often will make sense of it, which is probably <laughs> the bad thing, um, but I'm just seeing the steps in that. And I, when I write it out, whether it's presented to me that way or not, I, it's it's that next step um it's step yeah. one you need to do this step two it's this step three if you look at it and there's like six or seven as you know with longhand equations or whatever there's you know often a dozen uh you know ways to get to the answer um, or steps you need to take and for me it's just annotating each step and then i'll visually remember that, that next step i need to take um and for, yeah for me it, it is just that longhand rote learning yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool yeah and i couldn't study at home um, I, I managed to over time, um, but for me, it, it was, and it, it came from the military. And one of the reasons why I went overseas to do my licenses, if I do something, I want to immerse myself in it and, and get it done. I don't like dragging things out. And the best way mm -hmm. I found to do that, particularly for my study was I live alone in a two bedroom yeah. apartment. And I mm. found the best way to study was to go to the library. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's yeah. a cool advice. So yeah, there's probably people out there that are, you know, banging their head against the wall and not getting that inspiration. You have, you know, your phone, TV, Netflix, yeah. all these things that could be slight distractions um, that will limit you progressing further when you can just immerse yourself in a library or a, you know, even the back of a 
old cafe or something where you yep. can just really focus in on what you're doing. So that, that's that's yep. that's great advice in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And like, you know, some people can study with with music or they can focus with music. You know, my, my husband loves if he's focusing on writing a report or he has loud music on. Yeah. Yeah. That is alien to me. I sure. need silence. <laughs> I need yeah. to switch everything off. I almost need dark, dark and silence and yep. um and it's like, you know, there's not one sort of one way fits all it's great to just have try different things so um you know that's um cool the library there's something mm. special there's something special about library yeah there is absolutely yeah they're yeah. good energy they're good energy Over to so you, i have got another question if i can just throw this one in because you said at the beginning that so two-thirds of your um role was the the checking and the assessing yep. and because of the safety around the role that you do, um, I documentation would be everything. Yeah. Not d- loving doing the doing. How do you how do you find the challenge of that? Because I would imagine I hate to say the word like a bit you know dull, but how do you deal with that side of the job? Because it has to be done. It's the most important side of the job of safety. But how do you make that work for you when? Like you say, for you, the fun part is the other third of it. Yeah. Um, I wish my boss was here to tell you how terrible my paperwork is. Um, it is not a strong point at all. It's not even a weak point. It's not existent. Um, but it, no, it's a really good point. It, it is. And I guess that comes, you know, if you were to ask me that question, that I was going to be doing this job you know, four or five years ago um, in terms of training and assessing, um, I probably would have said I wouldn't be doing it. Um, yeah. because that doesn't appeal to me, the office stuff that, that, that doesn't yeah. appeal, but um, it is a necessary evil and, it, and I try and make um, purpose out of it. So, I mean, it's a, a, I don't have a lot to do, to be honest, in terms of the paperwork world, but it is things like flight reports. So when I finish yeah. with a student, whether it be training or assessing them, I write a report on how the flight went. And for some people, it's very easy to be like, oh, you've got to write a report, uh, you know, throw a heap of information there, whatever, and, and move on. But I try to you know, re- realize that that, that is, that's a report on someone that will carry them for their whole career. Um, yeah. Any employer or anyone in the company will look at that. James wrote a report on this person and you can see that there was hardly any effort put into it. And I know yeah. that the student has to sign off on that. So I, I try to, you know, take that passion of flying and then I'm trying to pass on the baton to someone else in a way. Yeah. Um, and I want to make sure I, 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 I give, give them the respect. That. That's yeah, yeah that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's no, cool. have to channel my passion to to get through that. And certainly there are other aspects of paperwork that I really fall back on. And, uh, you know, and I'll let my own currencies, my own, we've got a, about, you know, two or three dozen, we call them recencies or currencies, things like I need to do a winch by day, by night. I need to do a certain type of winch as well on top of that. I need to do a water winch. I need to fly by night under night vision goggles and all this sort of stuff. And I'll, I'm always getting in trouble for falling out of currency for those because I'm too worried about doing that for others or just yeah, like yeah. Some of my own stuff sorted i'm too worried about doing it for others so yeah um yeah it's just trying to channel that um yeah passion into that role as well amazing that's, that that's like cool. so diligent about that part of the um the job i was curious because i struggle with the administration side yeah. um and i have like a love hate relationship with it sometimes and when i've done i'm like yay and then i, I was like oh you know so i was just really curious how you um challenge the yin and the yang for yourself sort yeah, of thing. It's, so it's yeah it's never fun but um but you, you get it done you, yeah you get, you get it done yeah. you get it yeah. done so um so time. yeah mate um how do you deal with the stress that comes with your job so we i know we've touched base on stress and you know hardest things but what relaxes you what gets you ready for the next day or the next shift or the next test like what what do you do do you do any exercise or do you go for surf like what 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 do you what do you go to yeah it's um uh it, i like to get to the gym that's definitely you know almost a uh, top of a daily occurrence and it in a nutshell it's just all about the separation I, I just separate myself from from work and still make sure i maintain some other life outside of my work because it's very difficult when you do so much but uh, but at the same time, it's a lifestyle. You know, the, the, the jobs that we do, um, 
all of us, are, it's, it's a lifestyle. We, we do it not to clock off at five. We do it because we go home and we're on the group chat to the rest of the crew talking about. Yeah, talking about rescue jobs or rescue. Yeah. Relevant even, um, but you're still connecting. So there's always going to be that, that connection. But for me, yeah, it's just, it's not that I can separate and I still have other things that I, that I do and, and I can sort of put one work aside and pick up another one that I, I have, a, you know, uh, an affinity to at the time and then once I get yeah. over that one it's sort of the next one and so this all cycles through but I'm really not and it's it's interesting mate because I listened to your last podcast with um, Pierce and and it's it's sort of the common theme is you know to surf or to go out and do fitness or or to you know, meditate or focus or whatever it is but for, for me I don't have a big um, a big release like that um, I don't and hopefully that's not a bad thing and it doesn't bite mm. me one day but um, I always maintain some sort of connection. It's, I never feel like, oh, I, I need to go and do something. It's I just, I, hopefully I'm not bottling it up, but <laughs> I just find no, it. No, 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 mate. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's good to hear different perspectives because we've had a number of nurses, fireys, and now yourself on here, and everyone's given it a very similar answer, but yours is, yeah, a little bit different, and it's good to kind of get a bit of a different perspective of how people deal with, with stress and, and how they deal with, certain situations of what they do to, to kind of eliminate it. So yeah, yeah don't, I, don't, don't apologize, mate. Yeah, it's, for sure. Um, as awesome. well. And I guess as well, like, you know, um, you, when you go out on a job, I guess it's always a pretty, it's pretty full on situation when you go out. It's not yeah. like, um, you know, like there's levels of, you know, when you're out, it's, it's a pretty big, mm. um, you know, a pretty big um, incident. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. If, if it requires us, it's generally pretty nasty. But um, f- for me, it's another odd thing you probably don't hear much of is the way I like to. Um, um, it's not it's not cope. It's certainly prevention rather than the, the coping cure mechanism. But I like to understand the mechanics. I, I like the uh, I like to have an intimate knowledge of what's happening helps me process. So in terms of what we do, as because I'm not a clinician, I just fly the bus with a pilot. Um, we can often turn up, we can have a patient in the back that's you know, going downhill rapidly, looks super nasty. And you can tell just by my language that I'm not a clinician, looks super nasty. It's very technical. Yes. Yeah, that's a technical <laughs> uh, term. Knowledge. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. but so, And I felt, found that was lacking. I was like, oh, man, maybe it would help if I knew a bit more. Um, if I knew what was going on would allow me to process it rather than just being often half half the issues that we have is just being left in the dark about things and not knowing what's going on. And then you just end up creating your own story in your head. So I often, you know, did a cert for in health care and, and did some other study and thought, how, how can I better? And I always ask our doctor, follow up with them and go, hey, what, what was that? What was that? And, and, and one example is, you know, I'm sure you've seen it, Max is, you know, there'll, there'll be some, some job that you've gone to, it's pretty nasty and people are expecting a reaction out of you to show you and it's quite a nasty clinical picture or something that, that, you know, from a job that we have done and I, they're expecting reaction, but I'll look at it and go, oh, okay, there's a bone hanging out there. There's, there's a fair bit of blood there. It's uh, okay. Well, what's, what's happening here? I sort of yeah, try and look so, past the fact that it's a person go, what are the mechanics going on here? Hmm. Oh, okay. That's how, that's how I deal with sure. things too. Yeah, you're right, mate. Yeah. That sometimes the more nasty the things are, or the more chaotic and traumatic it is, the more I calm down and kind of dial in on, mm. yeah, you're right. The mechanics of what's going actually, what's not so much the emotional side um yeah it's 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 i could really resonate with what you're saying and you like we get the odd job at bankstown you know the nasty stuff but you know day in day out i know how busy um the toll ambulance is and uh, some of the sort of jobs you know you go everywhere around the state um you know it's 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 cool to hear you say without focus on individual persons in the back of the in the bus as you call it um, actually try and understand what is going on. So if you ever come across that situation outside of your job, mm. you might be able to potentially help that person or save that person. And the whole point of Maxi Rescue Squad is be able to educate like-minded people or people that are not so much in the first responder um, forte, but um, giving them understanding of potentially saving someone's life by learning just the, the life skills and core skills of be, you know, controlling bleeding, knowing exactly what's going on, calling triple O, knowing your location um that's 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 why maxi rescue squad exists is because yeah. we want the mechanical side of things of have people not stress out not panic have that reassurance to be able to get the job done and help someone in need um not being a professional so yeah hmm. 
and you know what hats off to you and james you know to take yourself off to do a cert four so that you've got a better understanding that what's going on in your um bus as you call it and and then like and and that that may be in its own way does help you like give you a bit of closure because you've got more understanding of you know it, that might be you you probably just answered part of your own question there it's because you've got a better understanding of the whole bit of it just gives you a bit more peace of mind yeah and it's um i often have this chat and it is a bit of a dilemma and it'd be interesting to see what you think maxi as well um is that do people want to know more about what's going on or would they'd rather know know less um and and what i mean by that is that for some people they would just rather um not know what's going on we're just moving a package in the back of the bus again from a to yeah. b we're just we're getting the job done and and they, they're often you know it's, it's a job mm-hmm. um and or is it better for for people to know okay well well what happened okay so that's what happened as a result of this and and so okay that couldn't be done that makes sense that we couldn't save them now because okay that, that's how bad it was and um, all right, well, that's, yep, then we can put that to bed now and move on. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer there. It's individual dependent. There are some people that cope with with that as long as they're not bottling it up, but they just like, no, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, I'm just moving a package. And that's, that's no dramas with that. As yeah. long as that's exactly what they're doing. Where, like I said, the others, you, you will occasionally see, you know, around the job or even post the job, um, you'll sort of hear a quiet conversation in the corner of, of one of area crew members asking the doctor was on that shift last week. And they'll say, oh, hey, what? What happened to that patient yeah. we had last week? And that's either one or two yeah. things. They're either interested in the job, uh, just generally interested, like I would be clinically, or, or they're not getting much sleep, or the they, they need closure. Yeah, the danger to that is is the answer. Yes, yes. they're hoping for a good answer. Yeah, and heaven forbid they get the bad one. So, I guess that's that's a really you know um, a, a really big passion of mine, and, and a number of my colleagues is is we're in a really interesting position as air crew. A lot of our guys, you know, I've, I've at least had a bit of that experience from, from being a, you know, a volunteer fiery and being in the military in an armored ambulance and stuff. But we get people that come out of the military that, um, you know, weren't necessarily doing those roles and go straight into this job at the height of the worst acuity in a patient, seeing the most traumatic things, but aren't taught that as first responders. So we're not really first responders, we're the air crew, delivery so it's we're in this void so now we're recognizing that actually we haven't really prepared anyone for this um what they're potentially seeing straight out of flying offshore oil and gas rig workers to now flying a medical helicopter so anyway that's a tangent i've gone down but it's no 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 no, it's it's very interesting it's absolutely uh you know um so important i could i could resonate um i'm very lucky as a lifeguard i get to deal with uh, the the more first aid end of doing rescues, you know, yeah. sometimes we're there 10, you know, 15 minutes before an ambulance or the paramedics get there. And, you know, in, in the case of the resource the other week, the toll ambulance chopper landing on the beach, I've seen it happen twice. And first thing I said to the doctor and the, and the uh, paramedic, um, do you guys know James? And like, yeah, they're, 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 they're nodding as I was um, putting their gear in the back of the buggy to go help this guy, um, the spear fisherman guy. But, um, where I'm going with this is we're very lucky on our shift, Max Cottingham. We've had uh, him on the podcast before. He's a firefighter, he's paramedic, and he's always pushing the bar further in the, the paramedicine side. So we're very lucky to have a person on my crew that's really right. clinical and yep. loves the, you know, he's got the the, the study and the, the knowledge behind the back. And so when we go to these nasty jobs, he's got the medical kind of background mm-hmm. and myself and peers are constantly asking him questions about what's going on with the patient. So kind of can resonate with you, what you're saying, yeah. depending on how you're feeling on that day. If you, you know, you just package on the bus or you wanted to kind of know a little bit more about the patient. Uh, me and peers are naturally doing that now with Max and, and it's, it's pushing Max further to, keep going down that path to go down the extensive care mm-hmm. paramedicine yeah. and, and really pushing it actually kind of gives us a little bit of a kick up the bum to, to get our knowledge into the medical as well, even though I've kind of got a taste of it as a lifeguard, but some of the stuff um, yeah. that you would see the doctors and the paramedics do and Max obviously does. Um, it's amazing what they, what they do. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's cool. Incredible, absolutely incredible. And you always say, Maxie, as well, the difference with lifeguarding and firefighting, with lifeguarding, you are literally there in the moment. Mm. By the time the fireys get there, there's a, a you know minute's delay, and that would be the same with you as well, James. You know, by the time you get there, you do get briefed the up. situations yeah. like, you know, when you're lifeguarding, you can literally be there within seconds, um, as you have been on many times, Maxie, and... Um, you know, these have been the seconds that have counted. So, um, yeah, and, and it's there's pros and cons to that. The, the the cons are it happens right in front of you. You're like, yeah. oh no, I'm I'm on here. Or and the pros are, you know, it, it teaches you how to you know think on the spot, be quick, um, be proficient, um, and, and execute the rescue as quick as we can. Um, but as a firefighter and, and with James as well, you you would say uh, we're lucky that sometimes we get prompted up uh, yeah. in the sense of we know. Location, you know what we're dealing with, the urgency of the job, you know the the safety considerations. You know, with flying with James, it's you need to know the weather, you need to know the terrain. With this, us as firefighters, you know, especially in this weather event we're experiencing this week into the weekend, you know, high flood zone areas. You know, can we drive the truck through these areas? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of going down the path of and over the top, but it's very important to you know whatever job that you do do just. Um, Take a deep breath and get the job done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're right in that. There's a sense, even if a lot of the time, times that when we get launched on a job, we don't know what we're going to. Yeah. We go to a, you know, it's a, it's a distress beacon activation up in the mountains. They could be uh, lost. That's it. Best case scenario, or worst case, one of their members is critically injured after a long fall or something like that. So yeah. you just, you just don't know what you're going to come across. But at least. At, at least you've the phone's gone off you've got the uniform yeah. on and you're doing your job yeah. it's when yeah. people uh don't have that preparation or aren't in uniform it's amazing how much protection you get with that uniform i yeah i haven't yeah. for a while but i certainly had a couple of nasty jobs that i just happened to come across um and i was a young fellow at the time and it's amazing how much not and i was a volunteer at the time but now that i wasn't with my crew wasn't with my truck didn't have a uniform on didn't have that body armor being the yeah, uniform. it's hard. Yeah. Like, oh, now this is this is a whole different dynamic. So, yeah. I'm kind of going off again here, mate. But would <laughs> how many jobs have you been to, or you've been called upon, uh, where they haven't given much information, and you think and you don't know what you're going into, and uh, you know it's the most traumatic, chaotic situation that you've ever seen with the less detail, and then other, on the flip side of that. So much detail that you get, you yeah. know, it's like the world's ending and you land the, the, the chopper or you winch down or, you know, we re- arrive on scene with the truck and it's nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. does that does that happen a lot? Um, it it does. The air ambulance in a way? Yeah, it does. More so um, turning up to a job that you have little information for that's super bad, particularly in remote areas. Um, yeah. Less about um, a, a heap of information um, that you turn up is generally nothing. Um, they, they learned that lesson some time ago and, and often now, so there's certain criteria that activates a, a, an ambulance helicopter in our jurisdiction anyway, things like um, trapped in a motor vehicle accident. So if a person's trapped, activated, um, obviously drowning out at sea or anything involving a watercraft activation, um, anything that's remote access um, that isn't accessible by full drive, all, the, all these other uh, considerations. So, um, a, a lot of the time, you, you you just have no idea what you're getting getting sent to. But what what the system did some years ago is that they recognised that there were a lot of these calls going out. So now, where possible, they'll wait for an ambulance representative to get on scene, more often not a paramedic, to pass through a mist, which is a basically a report that talks about the mechanism, the injury, the signs and symptoms, and the treatment. It's basically saying it is what it is, or it's not what it is. Yeah. Um, so, but if it's sounding bad enough, and and one of those key key criteria without going down another rabbit hole, but is, um, is how many calls are associated with that job? You know, mm-hmm. actually you'd see this all the time. Like if we get, ISMs. yeah, ISMs. so not necessarily we get the triple A call, but, but if, if the call, if the ambulance dispatcher, that's going to turn us out, gets one phone call to a multi-accident, multi-persons trapped on the M5 motorway in Sydney, which is the main sort of arterial road into the city and they get one call. It's probably not likely, right? There's mm. thousands of, you know, cars are crossing that road every hour. Um, and so that's unlikely. So 
um, those get interrogated quite heavily. You tend to know the same as same with fires, mate, and, yeah. and you know uh, with the volunteers, like you know, you get the odd triple O call. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of smoke in the area. To no, nah, there's a house on fire. You get the numerous triple O calls. You know exactly what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so we do get a bit of that. It's unfortunate because it you know it does cost a bit, but so it's you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? It's um yeah, it's, it's the old boy cries wolf. That, and, and another huge um, passion of mine is sort of is trying to um, avoid complacency in our crews. It's very easy to go. Oh, he's just that other job again, just another routine job. Bloody off we go, and it turns out yeah. more information is coming through, and it's more people involved, or actually it's a lot worse than what it is, and then you see them suddenly their stress goes through the roof because they thought it wasn't something that it, it was. So we try and treat yeah. every job like, 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 it, like it is. Like prepare for the worst yeah, exactly. um, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Such incredible work that you do. So one of the things in all of that, what would you say has been your best career decision so far? Uh Definitely uh, getting into into rescue, into, into the civvy EMS, what we call HEMS, Helicopter Emergency Medical Service. So getting out of the military and into into that, that was always a dream. That was well, did you always. leave the military knowing that with the you know that was like a purpose, like next step? It's time to leave the military because this is um, you know our, our, this opportunity is ready for me. Yeah, I I have um, sort of unofficial and maybe even subconscious. Um, goals I want to I want to meet. So when I was in the when I joined the military, I knew I wanted to uh, deploy overseas, and I knew I wanted to command my own what we call ASLAV, which is basically a light tank. So I wanted to do those two things. So I did that, and then I thought, okay, what's next? And then I went and right. taught recruits for a bit, and I was like, okay, I'm done with that. Now what's next? And that was air crew. Yeah. I was like, dust off cruise. I want to do that. I've done that. And that was what's next is 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 rescue. And that was that was a dream that started. It was actually like act, this is an achievable dream. So yes. f- for me, that, that, that career move there, whilst I you know, absolutely love my time in the military and a lot of people assume I left because you, know, you get disgruntled or whatever. It's just like, no, no, that's, I've done what I've wanted to out of the military. Yeah, I've ticked all my yeah. um, wish list. I'm yep. looking for the next yeah, I've challenge. Been back. Now it's for me. So, yeah, definitely going in a, in a civil rescue. Ask me again in a couple of years and we'll see <laughs> what move has. Yeah, yeah well, that, that, um, that leads nicely to the next question, mate, so you can ask yeah. it. Yeah, well, next career goal, mate. Um, you know, not that if your bosses are listening, but uh, <laughs> what's... Uh, <laughs> this what's, is not um, you formally writing your resignation, yeah, no, uh, Jay. No, no, no. But like, but what's next for James. On the on the list to tick off in the future. Sure, yeah. No, my bosses are acutely aware of uh, just how fragile my commitment to them is. Um, <laughs> no, n- not at all. It's um, so definitely it's moving down the full time pilot the pilot route at the moment. So, um, you know, I'm doing a fair bit of training and, and obviously I've um, you know, got the commercial um, helicopter license tick that box. And so it's now it's just a matter of as we've spoken about before, Mason. So just building hours and experience, and then um, you know it'll probably in the next six months, I'd say is probably would involve having to leave uh, at least full time. I would try and stay on casually um, in my current role, at least as sort of business development, but um, would involve moving on to then being a full time pilot, um, probably in that yeah sort of oil and gas industry. I've just sort of got to go away for a few years, build up some hours and experience. And then hopefully the end game is the new goal that's been reset is to come back as a rescue pilot for our organization so that'd be just, amazing just swap seats basically it's funny you have to yeah, yeah like you always got to keep growing you got to keep staying you got to keep learning and and the fact that um you know i know how much you love doing what you do now um the fact that you know in the back of your mind you kind of have to leave yeah. to to, to kind of come back um you know hats off to you man i know it's not an easy decision you could always be complacent and go you know what i've got to where i need to get to i'm happy just being where I'm at, I'm I'm in the, the the job that I do, but you know that that next goal is to be a full time pilot, and yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Excuse as well, Nala um, in the background there. Too. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Have you feathered today, Maxi? No, I no. Have, what I, I have. One of the things that I was going to say um, as well is like um, you just said that you know people think you left because you were disgruntled. Um, I I once left a job, and my boss did me the kindest thing. She said, "No, you have to go." You have to go right, yeah. because if you stay, I don't want you to go. But if we stay, we'd be holding you back and yeah. you've got to go. And I actually left that company. I went and worked elsewhere for five years and then I came back. 
Um, So, you know, you're not disgruntled. It's all about growth. I remember I was 23. I'd been with this company for five years. And, um, you know, I was a bit, I was bored. I wasn't ticking any, I wasn't growing. I wasn't, you know, Mm. um, I got a great new opportunity. And I think in my heart, I secretly wanted my boss to say, don't go. Um, But she didn't say that to me. She said, the easy thing would be to say for me, don't go, but you need to go. And it was, it was the best, it was the best thing for me. So you can leave places and not you know, burn the bridge behind you yeah. and the door's always open to go back. That's I definitely always believe in that. Yeah, definitely the experience I've had in my organisation. They've seen where I've wanted to go and I've had bosses just say, look, you're going to have to do it, but you know, yeah. you're welcome back. And there's a saying that um, train people so they can leave, treat them so that they don't want to. And I love yeah, that, right. yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's no secret that people quit bosses, they don't quit jobs. A lot of Absolutely. So, absolutely, you know, it, and that's uh, thankfully for the for the most part, my my current employer has been that they 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 know that it's an adve- in a long term investment. Um, yeah, I know I've got to go, and um, it wasn't the same reception with the military, unfortunately. But uh, at least with this current job, they're um yeah, hundred percent supportive of, of yeah. where I need to and be. And they know, and they know you will go gain even more experience at whatever time yeah. that that becomes right. And you bet your life, I could even say it now, you'll be back. Mm, yeah yeah that's the you know in the seat I, that you want to be sat in yeah. because um you know you you um are already you know thinking about it and they say don't you you you, you know you go to the work what did what's the other great thing that they say you go to work for you behave for the job you want not the mm-hmm. job you've got yeah so yeah. you know you are exactly. already acting the next role because that's then perfect. when the opportunity presents you're just ready for it mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's good advice there. Eh? Yeah, and sometimes that means giving a bit more than you know just enough. But what's wrong with that? Mm. There's almost like I I get really annoyed when there's this like you know um, almost the oh you know you just go and do just enough. No, you don't. You yeah. go and put your all into it. Yeah. Oh well, you can um, you can do that as you said. Like you can you can give just enough, but expect you'll get just enough. Exactly. Yeah. Don't complain. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. All right. Um, okay, me then. So if you weren't air ambulance or military or all of these things, what would you do? What would funny. you be? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one because generally if I want to do something, I just go and do it um, or I just find a way or I'll apply or, or dream about it for a bit. Um, but uh, it's it's funny. Again, listen to, to Pierce's uh, podcast. Uh, where he was talking about the military and he, you know, he'd probably yeah. want to go down the military path. And it's, it's funny because I would probably do the opposite. And I, would, <laughs> I did, uh, I actually did uh, work experience with fire rescue when I was 16. And that's oh, what yeah. I did at school. That was really the only thing that I, you know, they had a, a work experience, uh, obviously week or two or whatever it was. And so I went and did that with fire rescue. So I was super keen and obviously as a young volunteer or whatever, it's, that was a, a first love. Um, so it would definitely be something in a uniform and probably, you know, I've got a lot of, I'm, I call myself a fire rescue groupie. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I, I've just got so many, so many close friends that are, that are in the, in the, in the service and to the point where people that meet me that for the first time, like, oh, you must be in the forest as well. Cause I'm just, yeah. Yeah. You just get all the lingo and all the terms. And um, so it's just definitely that, I think whatever it would have been, it would be that crew, that, that crew environment. I just, you know, love being Team. a professional like-minded crew um, definitely not in a, in, in a desk, but um, yeah, I think probably something along those lines again. Yeah, that's, that's, amazing. That's, that's cool, mate. Look, that's you, cool. look, you never know because you know yeah, James. Yeah. We know people. We can. Sure. Like, we've got. A, yeah. We've had a few on here. We know people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah never yeah. say never. Absolutely. Absolutely, um, mate. Uh, we're towards the back end, but we've got two more for you. Uh, yeah. What advice would you give to your sixteen-year-old self? Um. Yeah, it probably comes back to that quote I gave before. Um, and it's, well, if it's to give it to myself, then that's very different to what I'd give to 16-year-old someone trying to get to where I am. But if I was to give it to myself, it's, um, yeah, it's just just keep on keeping on. You know, you, you Keep on keeping on. Yeah. Keep keeping keep, away. Yeah, that's it. One step at a time. It's, um, um, yeah. Uh, I like that. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds simple and cliche. It's just. I mean, if I was sixteen, I'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about, old man?" <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, I guess do, do what you want to do and and make the most of it. And I'm, I'm all about sayings. And there's another one that everyone has two lives, and they realize they only have uh, the second life uh, begins when they realize they only have one. Um, mm. So I think it's it's just by you know, making the most of, of those situations and not, not letting an opportunity go by and just don't, don't let yourself get complacent in life and stagnate. Yeah. Never lose yeah. your keenness. Yeah. It's yeah. Never settle and just coast. Yeah. Um, and, and like you say, unless that's what you want. Yeah, out yeah, of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but um, if you don't just keep going, definitely. Keep chipping away. Keep chipping. Amazing. As I say, keep amazing. So I don't know if you, um, I've heard about the Spotify Max's Rescue oh, sure. playlist. Um, but um, everyone that comes on our podcast, we give them, um, it's a, a little happy, upbeat. We've got right, right. people in like 26, 30 countries that have sure. sent us their songs. Yeah, right. And we would love you to add yours I'll have to, to add. our playlist. Yeah. So have you got your go-to Banger of what's a your, song. That, what's your pump up? What's your yeah. what's something? You know, you, you're driving to work. You got the yeah. uniform on. You're ready to rock and roll. Something comes on Spotify on the radio, and you just yeah. you just pumped. You're ready yeah. for a good day. You're smiling. Mood and you go. Today's going to be a great. Absolutely, day. and it's um, it's going to take me back to my youth. I think, and this is uh, you know, it's probably going to be embarrassing, but uh, nonetheless, it it fires me up, and that's uh, a Nickelback Rockstar. Rockstar, there Rockstar you go. On just, I don't necessarily always. I'll just the disclaimer is I don't necessarily agree with some of the lyrics uh, within the. <laughs> within the <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, you know, it's just got a, it's just got a solid beat and has a bit of that sort of country slash old. There it is. It is good. It is. Good. Yeah. It's actually on my running playlist. Oh sure. Yes. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. It's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent song, and it, and isn't it good? You know, we talk about things that isn't it good? Music can change your mood. Yeah, oh, it's super powerful. One hundred percent. Yeah. So um, good choice, James. Good. Yeah, choice. it is. It's, it's already added to the Maxis Rescue oh, yeah? playlist, mate. So what I'll do, um, I'll send you the link, and you can yeah. have a listen to yeah. other people's yeah. pump up songs and get the hot head, yeah. you know, bobbing. And, oh yeah. Yeah. With Next time you're uh, down the gym, stick it on, and um, yeah. you'll to be able to you'll be able to give us a review of what you. Yeah, doing. yeah, so, absolutely. I'll throw some um, stars on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, please, please, under uh, the podcast, subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, I, uh, James um, does listen to listen a few. Listen to the first few, James. Yep. We we got better. We got better. Uh, it's... Even though we don't <laughs> still don't know how to edit and stuff like that. So, uh, but we're mm. consistent and we show up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Mate, just before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming on board. Um, you know, you are, a, you know, people say that I'm busy and me and Lee are busy, but you are a very busy person. And um, I appreciate you giving us the time on this Friday afternoon. Um, yeah, mate, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast will take a lot away from it, especially the quotes and uh, your way of thinking. And yeah, it's yeah. great. Absolutely. And um, yeah, really like Maxie, backing everything you said, really, really appreciate it. Really grateful. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope something, you know, get something out of it. And um, yeah, we can always learn from each other and, and share that too. But I mean, for, for you both, like just, just take a moment to recognize that. So real quickly, I don't know if you're aware that, you know, Maxie gave me one of your books, um, which is yeah, yep. really awesome, really special. And I gave it to my daughter just last night. And, um, and she, she just loved it. She, you know, what, and, and to the, it was, it was one of those moments that sort of kicked myself a bit because, you know, told her what it's about. It's all about, you know, beach safety and water safety and, and, you know, being careful. And she said, what, at the beach? So why? Like, why? <laughs> I thought, okay, that's why people yeah. like you to write books. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, yeah. it's another thing that in my role without getting, you know, too passionate about it is that, you know, drownings, I just, I, particularly in pools and in the homes is just how is that still happening you know when there's yes. something like 225 or so people drowned in 1920 2019 2020 yeah. and most of those were under the age of four and in pools yeah. 
that yeah that's just and inland as well mate um remote, the, yeah, a lot yeah. of people focus on the beach and 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 the uh coastal areas and yeah that's still tragic no matter who loses their lives drowning yeah. but a lot of the and you would see it mate mm. uh, a lot of a lot of pools a lot of rivers lakes and dams so mate yeah. it's what we do it's yeah. it's, it's mainly started live and survive to be able to get the education out there um we still got a long way to go with with where we want to be and it's all a learning curve one step at a time as you said um but yeah, we have aspirations to write more books. It's, we have, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're off to the states in a couple of weeks to, um, you know, get yeah, the message over there. A, hopefully, um, yeah, the national um, conference for um, education of young children. Oh, excellent! So, no, that's we'll so happens, we're going mate. on a complete. Let's just go and see who, who we knows can what meet because it's everything is about who you can meet. Yeah, I'll tell you um, what, though, Lee, the there, there's going to be a good advisory advisory board one day. You know, well, we, I was I was going to say, <laughs> we'd have a yeah, pilot, so, we'd have so a James, paramedic. Yeah. We'll have... We've we've just signed James up as a like yeah. you know, like an honorary member of our um, rescue squad. We oh, sure. we've just got such an awesome crew of people that have have backed us and um you know like i say it's like oh my gosh you know a job that's bigger than ben her we we are just stepping you know literally like you said one Mm. foot in front of the other we meet people that support meet people that you know don't and we all think okay they're not our tribe we keep going and um and um ultimately for the reason we we do it and our why and you know obviously maxi mm, mm. does the fire station for, for me the thing that what my why is exactly what you just said you share that book yeah with a little one with your child um i met a guy yesterday did the same thing you know yep. and it's like that lesson may stick in one mind and save a life that maxi and i may never even know mm. about yeah but oh, the mate. fact they're yeah. out there and um you know that's um that's why why you do it because drownings are on the increase and mm. here we both sit and there's floods there's flash flooding in melbourne today yep. there's torrential rain over the weekend um you know mm. y- you you don't want to you know wish anything bad to happen but while everything's like this i mean things do happen and yeah. that's why you know education's everything so yeah it is you need um, to know yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We appreciate and it. We appreciate what what you're doing. You know, I'm I'm on the I'm on the uh, the cure end of the solution, as they say, right? You're on the prevention side. So the more more people like you two that are out there educating, um, it makes our job um, yeah f- far less uh, traumatic and and busy in that space. So um, yeah, th- yeah. Thanks very much for what you do, and if there's anything yeah, more I can do for you, for the kind words, mate. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, like I said, we, we're going around seas. We don't really do it for the pats on the back. We, yeah. we do it because uh, we 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 know that it uh, needs to be out there, and sure. we, we know that people sure. need to to learn. Yep. And um, there's there's it's a generational thing. People just get very complacent around yeah. water. Yep. People get very yeah. complacent around um you know accidents uh-huh. and cars and 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 things that they are oh, it's not gonna happen to me it's not gonna happen to me and yeah it's it's just something that we mm. just want to get people to be aware and ready have situational awareness and be able to execute something to potentially save their own life and or others yeah. and that's that's our goal absolutely so, yeah. yeah no good on you yeah amazing mates it's been absolute pleasure yeah it's it has. Been pleasure. I've absolutely loved it james i could have sat and chatted to you for the rest of the day but obviously you're a busy man we yeah. will let you go sure no worries. um but um yeah it's been brilliant thank you yeah thanks for having thank me you on. james i'll see you soon mate and uh lee i'll see you soon as well i'll see you soon <laughs> see you take care bye everyone bye, bye. Yeah. bye. see everyone